You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the <laughs> Welcome, you are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. This is one of your co-hosts, Isaac Harris, and I am joined once again by Bobby Corrala of Mavs.com in this second part of this long conversation we had about the draft, about the Mavs, about the NBA. This is part two. So obviously there was a part one, if there's a part two. If you have not listened to part one, pause this, go back, download part one, and listen to part one. Then come back and listen to part two. You don't really have to do it. I don't know. It's kind of like a Star Wars type of thing. But you don't really have to do it, but I recommend it. You can go out of order. I don't really care. But I think you should go in order. So download part one. Listen to part one if you haven't. If not, there's probably a lot of you that's coming back for part two. Bobby and I, man, we go into this whole thing um, today, just dealing with the, the second five questions of this of these ten questions I throw at Bobby, and uh, it's cool. We talk about everything from with some prospects. What what do we look at when we're looking at college basketball? What are some like weaknesses? We always hear about what can what can you take away? What are actually some things that you matter that you, that might hinder a prospect's view in your point of uh, in your point of view and uh, we kind of talk about guys that could drop maybe a guy that can go higher do you expect the draft order to change on draft night because of trades maybe some second round guys Bobby likes and then we kind of end the podcast talking about the summer and like what's ahead for the Mavericks and kind of like how it could be maybe this summer could be different a little bit but we kind of just go everything with that we talk some at the end after the questions and just uh bobby's awesome bobby is one of the smartest people i know with with stats and just basketball stuff and he's been with the mavericks multiple years we talked about uh kind of his role with the mavericks on part one so you kind of get the sense uh about bobby's job and everything with that and why he's so plugged in but i also want to give a quick shout out uh, in this intro real quick to everyone listening to our draft prospect profiles earlier in the week. We set some records this week, which is crazy. Um, the Bagley and Aiden podcast, man, they just like blew up. We had every, I mean, we set records for daily listens on those days. And we just can't thank you guys enough. It's it, this podcast, we're coming up on a year uh, pretty soon. And it's it's pretty wild just to think about that we've been doing this daily for a year. And uh, just thank you for that. We this is it surpassed everything that I thought, and we do grind it out sometimes with podcasts and every day. But it's cool to see these numbers come in, see how many people, and really the community that's built around Lockdown Maps. So anyway, thanks for that. Let's get into part two with Bobby Kral of Maps.com. A lot of people talk, look at prospects, and say. And I know skin, man. Skin gets all over this. And I could not, when I listen to y'all's podcast, our loyal listeners to Lockdown Maps, they hear me rant about this all the time. About I, I hate when people say, oh, he has a motor problem in college. It kills me. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate all that because there's just so much that goes into that. But, like, what is something, and we talk about, like, positives that we take away from prospects of maybe rebounding like free throw shooting in college like that's something that translates whatever Mm -hmm. what's something with prospects in college that you look at that actually does worry you that's not a motor thing or whatever but you look at and you say okay i take that away as a negative against a prospect man that's really hard uh because or is there is there anything? yeah I mean there are some and you can't uh, say low free throw percentage no 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 yeah no I, will, I mean that is bad obviously if yeah. you shoot twenty percent obviously yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm staying away but um, it's hard when watching college because college is first off it's so different the systems they run are so different it's officiated differently it's a smaller uh, the three point line is condensed so everything is condensed you're usually playing with at least one post sometimes two you play against a lot of zone. So for those reasons, college is like, it's really hard to watch people and figure out what they can do. Uh, you just have to more watch like how they move um, when they're in situations that are kind of modern. Like, yeah. it was easy to watch Alonzo Ball 
for yeah. example, because UCLA ran spread pick and roll. So like, and like Villanova ran a yeah, system. Villanova, yeah, so you can see that and say, like, dude, Jalen Brunson is being projected at, to go 28th or whatever, 25th, but, like, he can run an NBA offense because he did it in college. So it's easy to watch guys who play in those kinds of systems because you know what will translate and what won't. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do when I watch all these guys um, is I always watch – I mean, I'll usually watch their best game, whatever that was, unless it was against, like, non-conference opponent X, you know, in the middle of October. Yeah. Um, but I'll usually watch their best game, and then I will watch games that they played against players who are projected to go pro. Mm. So, like, for example... Um, that Duke-Texas game's a fun one to watch. Yeah, the Duke-Texas game. Bomba Bagley. Yeah, and that's two... That was, I think, at the kind of the... 10th game of the year, maybe. Yeah. So, like, they're kind of figuring out, but they're sort of getting comfortable. So, that's that's a good example. Um, when trying to watch Aiton, man, I don't know that he played against a single pro in college. But mm-hmm. he did play against Haas from Purdue, uh, who will probably get maybe get drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he'll play. But, like, those are the games because not only is the quality of opponent good, but... Both players are going to be amped up to play that game. Yeah. Um, it's usually in conference, so there's stakes. Oftentimes, it could be in the conference tournament. Um, so, like, there's a lot on the line. They're juiced to play. They're going up against an NBA player, and an NBA player is going up against them, and then you see how they play. And sometimes sometimes it can be misleading. So, like, last year, for example, uh, when Duke played Florida State, Jonathan Isaac, like, completely t- My chair just broke. Oh, Jonathan sorry. Isaac, like, completely took uh, Jason Tatum out of the game. Like, mm-hmm. shut him down completely. I don't know what Tatum scored, but I kept track of it in my little Excel notes that I keep for all these guys. And he shot, like, my voice keeps cracking. He shot, like, 3 of 8 or 3 of 9 against Isaac. Like, didn't even want the ball. Just, like, would catch it and instantly pass. Like, he just looked like he could not do anything. Isaac was smothering him. Yeah. And after watching that, I was like, man, Isaac could be really good. Tatum, I don't know. Turns out Tatum is, like, a beast. And <laughs> yeah. Isaac was hurt all year. But we – but – I mean, he's still projected to be very good. Yeah. But um, so sometimes your performance against pro guys could be a little misleading, but oftentimes it's going to do a pretty good job of telling you what a player can and can't do. Another example, um, watching Ball last year going up against Fox. Fox gave him like 40 points in that game. Yeah. I, think it, I don't know if it was in the tournament. It might, it might have been in the tournament. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, because yeah, they played each other at the beginning of the year. Fox didn't do as much. But in the tournament, yeah, he gave him like 39 points. And after watching that game, I was like, all right, man, I don't know if Ball is quick enough to guard these quick point guards. Ideally, he comes in and plays next to a guy that can defend points. Yeah. And he spent this year playing with KCP, who is that. Yeah. And Ball had a fantastic year. Everyone was like, wow, he's so good on defense. He's so much better than we thought he'd be. But that's because he's not guarding point guards, and they switch a lot. So, like, he's always in a good matchup. Yeah. You know? So that can kind of show you um, – that showed a potential weakness of ball, but the Lakers saw it too, and they kind of designed a defense and a roster that would help him help that. avoid that weakness. So you put a lot of weight in those um, pro versus pro matchups. Yeah, yeah. I or future so. pro matchups. Yeah, because it just shows you a better example of what they're going to do against good talent. Like, yeah. you know, I don't want to pick on Aiden because I think he's really good, um, or he could be really good, but whenever you're dominating, like, Oregon State and, you know, Utah Valley State and, like, yeah. all these schools with, you know, he's playing power forward against guys that are 6'5". Like, is that going to translate at all? I yeah. mean, he's doing incredible things, Herculean strength and going up and getting the ball and throwing it down and stepping out and hitting 20-footers. But how much of that is he going to get to do in the pros so easily? Again, so it's big. just... It's like Zion kind of, Williamson's dunk highlights against the six-foot white dudes. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly, exactly. And maybe he's going to be great. I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, until he goes up against really good guys, let's see if he can do it against them. Yeah. And if not, it could be everyone has off games. Everyone has games where they play way better than they are. Like Scott, uh, my guy, Spike Albrecht from Michigan oh in the championship gosh. game against your boys. Uh, Spike went off, man. He almost won them the national championship, and he never – I mean, he's not playing pro, I don't think. No. So, I mean, everyone has great games. Yeah. But if you can consistently do it, and most of these guys are at big schools where they're playing pros five, six, seven times. Yeah. If you can consistently do it, then you get a pretty good picture of what their strengths and weaknesses are. Where they are. Yeah. All right, so in that group of players, back to that lottery group of players, two guys. Give me a guy that – and you stay plugged into these mock drafts. Mm-hmm. And people put out there. Everybody puts out and mock literally drafts. Literally everybody. <laughs> um, 
what who is a guy that could go higher than what people are expected in the lottery? Mm. Or and give me a guy who could go lower than what some people are expecting. Okay, uh, probably the same answer, Michael Porter Jr. Right? I okay, guess it depends on his medical stuff. Yeah. Um, Biggest mystery. Yeah, he's and you know I love my <laughs> mysteries. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, you see highlight tapes of him in high school, and you're like, okay, that's cool. Every every player is good in high school, but like he's widely considered to be maybe the most talented player to come out in this year's draft before the back injury. Yeah. So what do you put more weight into? His two college games or his highlight mixtape? You can't do college that's unfair to yeah. judge him off that. He's hurt. I see I don't think you can do the highlight mixtape or the high school yeah, mixtape really. either. Like, yeah, you have to watch like if he played organized ball on against AAU people or like international tournaments, yeah. stuff like that. I mean that's more fair, but um it's all tough either way. I mean it's a big risk. But yeah. If medically, if he checks out, I mean, he's a 6'10", 6'11", can shoot, can score, can create, can do a lot of stuff. And that's A lot of teams could use that. So um, if he checks out, he could go high. If he doesn't check out, maybe he's not so high. Um, other guys? And for Mavs fans, it's pretty simple. And if he ended up a Dallas Maverick, you know the process that went behind to our medical staff clearing somebody like him. So you can be comfortable if that so whoever the draft pick is, you you're comfortable with the Mavs medical staff and team. They've signed off on it. So you can you're at, you're at ease. Yeah, one example of that I guess with Dennis obviously yeah. with the yeah. ACL thing and he did have some knee swelling and stuff uh especially at the beginning of the year. I think he missed like he definitely missed that Sacramento game. I want to say it was like I think three or four games more, or something. Yeah, like one or two more after that, yeah, with knee, basically just water on the knee, just swelling. Yeah. Um, but there were no other issues. I mean, he, like, sprained his ankle a couple times. Yeah. Everybody does that. Um, yeah, other guys, it's tough, man. I mean, I guess it just depends on if a team really likes a guy. I'm trying to think of examples in recent years where somebody fell. Like, the NBA draft seems a little more predictable than NFL because – Sometimes yeah. the NFL, you like Lamar Jackson fell down all the way to yeah. lucky you. But yeah. He fell down all the way to what, pick 32, yeah. I think? Last pick of first And one. he could have been, he was mocked as high as like 11 or something. Yeah. So it just kind of crazy things happen in the, in, the, in the NFL. I think of like um, Scal this year. Yeah. And how yeah, like okay. he could have went like 10th or 11th and then he dropped to like 20 or like DeJounte Murray. Yeah. You know, well, or on the flip side, uh, Papianis went yeah. like eighth or yeah. tenth or something, and he was like second round in most mocks. Yeah. So every now and then there's like a crazy one, but I I'm not that like I can't think that wildly. Yeah. To uh, to even draw that. Yeah, like Porter, like if everything checks out for him, I honestly could see him challenging that like two to three spot. Like if a team is like. Holy crap. Like, they bring him for a workout. He clears medically to their staff, and he kills it in the workout, and they're just, like, in love thinking that he's, like, the next Durant or something like that. I could see him in that that range. Or I could see him going to eighth or ninth. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I, th- I think he could vary all over That just kind of depends on what you value, you know? Like, yeah. Because like we've been saying, there's a lot of wings, there's a lot of bigs. So – and a lot of the teams in the top ten, I mean, some teams need both, but most teams need one or the other. Yeah. So, but I guess Porter is a guy who's weird because he's kind of a big. Right? Yeah. He's like 6'10", 6'11", so you can play four. But I guess most of the other guys are fives anyway. So if you need a five, are you going to take him or are you going to take a five? Because there's four or five centers. Yeah. There's four or five small forwards. So, I mean, yeah, you could see, I guess, maybe some guys rise, some guys fall, just depending on need. But for the most part, it should be pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay, a couple more. Question eight. Do you expect, true or false, draft night comes, the the top ten order is the exact same as it is right now? Uh, Probably false, right? Has there been a draft recently where there were no trades? Last year, Minnesota got out of seven. Yeah, I should uh, look this up. Because Chicago traded up. And Boston and Philly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the year before that was Towns? No. The year before that was 2016. Brogdon's draft. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Simmons was number one, and Ingram was number two. That might have been all chalk that year. Yeah. I don't really remember. It's it a pretty uneventful draft. But, uh, yeah, oh, man, I'll just say false, just yeah. to keep it keep, keep it, it fine. interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really – I mean, there's obviously rumors and stuff, but you just think about it like uh, the Clippers have two picks back-to-back, so that could be pretty interesting. And uh, How Cleveland far up is what, Cleveland is eighth, I think. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen with them? Yeah. Um, so I mean, just those two variables. Not to mention, there's always going to be posturing and yeah. like you know, uh, trying prospects can make power plays and stuff. So yeah, crazy things could happen. Um, and there's a lot of whatever superstar rumors, guys being unsettled where they where they currently are. So yeah. How much do you think the Doncic stuff will dominate headlines and speculation and rumors up until draft night? As far um, as like teams jockeying for spots, hit his camp, what just with the whole situation that he has more leverage than what some prospects have, I guess. Yeah, probably most, just because yeah. he's not. I mean, I think Porter Jr. has a lot of leverage, also. Like, yeah, because, yeah, just because his medical. He stuff. says no to his medicals. It's yeah. going to be hard for a team to take him. Mm-hmm. But if, if Doncic says, like verbatim, "I'm going to play in the NBA next year," then yeah. it settles a lot of the rumors because then it's probably just yeah, he's probably going to be the top two, yeah, right, or three, I guess. But um, until he actually says that, then it's going to be a lot of Doncic articles on Twitter, yeah, and uh, you know some panic or activity at the top because maybe you want him and you don't know if he's going to be here. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you don't want him and you tell teams that you do so that they make a trade. I mean, I don't know. It's all just smokescreen. Yeah. You know, breakfast with Frank Milikina and it's all, it's all just, you know. And you're all, you're all in on Donchitz at the uh, next level. I do like him a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like him as a player a lot. Yeah. Uh, I like him as a prospect, but also like, I like who he already is now. You know? Yeah. Being able to play at that high of a level over there. Did you know that he played in the second best league in the world? Against grown men. I didn't know that, yeah. But hey, people that hammer that point home have a point. Because you go on any video of Doncic and you have all these idiots that are saying like, oh, he sucks, Europe sucks, he's going up against a bunch of slow guys. You know, it's like, okay, okay, cool, yeah. Like, if Real Madrid played any college team, any college all-star team, if Real Madrid played against the top 12 players in this draft, Real Madrid would win Let's smoke them. at yeah. least 9 out of 10 times. I will have to disagree with Charks. Charks said the other day that they would beat a couple NBA teams. Yeah, and that is not fair. I mean, if you played, if they played like an NBA team 10 times, they might get one. Yeah. You know, or, t- I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's, if, they, that's, if they played a tanking team in March. Yeah, they might be able to, to nab one. But, yeah, I mean, the Euro game is way different. But the college game is, like, not even... The college is a different sport. Yeah. Like, Europe, European basketball, the way that Doncic is playing now, has influenced the NBA. Mm. Like, European teams were doing what the NBA is doing now 15 years ago. They weren't, they didn't have seven-foot point guards, but they were running spread, pick-and-roll, three-point heavy, uh, ball-handling wings. Like, point guard was not the only guy that was creating... Like, they were doing all that stuff ages ago, and then Popovich saw them play and was like, wow, I want to play that way. Yeah. And then the Spurs did it, and then his assistants learned it, and they went to their own teams, and then all of a sudden now it's, we're playing European basketball. Yeah. So His, Doncic's vision blows me away. Yeah. And just watching, watching some in EuroLeague this past weekend, and just some of the passes that he makes, and... Obviously, I'm not on the court, but just some things he makes, like sometimes mid-air to where he looks off an opponent and hits a guy in the corner, and you're just like, how how did you see that? Mm-hmm. And I know everybody always says, and he's 19. Well, it, that's, that's impressive. Cool. Like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. thank you for yes. – <laughs> Yes. You were true. Yeah, that is right. He is. So, that's yeah. I, the, you know, lateral quickness, like athletic stuff, wing, you know, who's he guard at the next level, I think that will be something that, you know, whatever team he goes to has to figure out. Yeah, well, no 19-year-old is good at defense on day yeah. one. That's, like, that's the ugly truth. Yeah. Um, but, so, people will say, well, he's not very fast. The flip side is, 
because he's not a burner, like he has to learn how to change his speeds. Yeah. And he's very good at playing at a pace that's comfortable for him. So sometimes that's slow, sometimes that's fast, sometimes that's changing speeds. But one thing about Dennis last year, um, or this year, whatever, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, Dennis had one speed, and that was 100 miles an hour. Mm. Like, he would turn the corner and just go, and then he'd be like, oh, uh, there's nothing here, and then he'd turn it over. Like Summer League. Yeah, yeah, he would, you know, you just play so fast, you're not under control, you're, you're going so hard to the rim that, you know, sometimes you get a crazy dunk, and then sometimes you jump and you turn it over, or you take a bad shot. Um, but by the end of the year, he's able to come off screens, get guys on his hip, He's able to, you know, change speeds, take one hard dribble, then kind of slow up, cross over, and go the other way. Like, Doncic is already able to do those sorts of things. So yeah. even though his top gear might not be as high as these other players, uh, that isn't to say it can't be because I think NBA training could maybe get him up a little higher. But um, being able to mix up his speeds, be a little more unpredictable, and use his body to create contact. Like, he does so many veteran things already. That's what Drogic, there's there's a piece, it might be ESPN, to where they talk, they're talk. they talking to Drogic about Luka. And he just came out and said, he's not fast. He's not a fast player. Mm. But he's, like, super quick. Yeah. And, like, he's, like, he gets past people because people, they might, they get it in their head that he's not just, like, full burst speed. But, like, he gets past people because he is so quick off his feet. Mm. Yeah, and he's big, too. Yeah. Dude, James Harden isn't fast at all. Yeah. Like, he's not fast. But he's, he's able quick. to get to the basket and shoot a million free throws every game just because he knows how to use his body. Luca taking the ball out of you know any of those teams in the top you know five to seven or whatever. Is there with Luca? Is there any hesitation with teams that already has like a primary ball handler of taking the ball out of their hands and saying Luca? Are you comfortable with Luca playing off the ball? Like, if you're any of those teams. Like, if you're Phoenix, are you comfortable with Luka playing off Booker? You well, know, and Jackson, too. Yeah, and Jackson, which I, I, Plus I, a point guard. That trio would be cool. But Yeah, no, it would uh, be cool. That's very modern. Well, yeah, I mean, every team has multiple guys. Like, in Golden State, what if what if we didn't know that Curry and Clay Thompson were incredible and KD was going to go there? It would be like, well, it would be kind of like when Miami, the big three, formed. Yeah. Like, well, there's only one ball. How are LeBron and, and D-Wade and Bosh going to make it work? But today's game, you need as many guys who can attack at angles as possible. You can't just, you can't be so predictable. Like with the Mavericks this season, what made that backup unit so good is that JJ was able to make plays. Dirk was able to influence stuff the way that he moved and kind of his like gravity. But you could give it to Harris and Harris could run a pick and roll pal. You could throw it over to Yogi and Yogi could make something happen. Yeah. Even though these guys are all like six foot nothing or shorter in some cases. But then you get three guys that are 6'8", or you get a, a point guard who's 6'1", and a wing who's 6'8", or you get a big guy, and Doncic can play off him. Like, you want to have multiple people that can do stuff, otherwise you become too predictable. You can, yeah. you can gear up to stop Russell Westbrook if he's by himself, but whenever you have Westbrook over here and Katie over there, or Paul George over there, suddenly it becomes a little more difficult. You can't just pack the paint. Yeah. You have to worry about this guy too, or you have to worry about him or whatever. So you, even you like game planning, you're just like, well, who are they going to yeah, yeah, give the ball to today? Like, yeah, most teams have either, most really good teams have either a point guard or a wing that are really good defenders. Mm. But maybe none, certainly not many, have both. So if you're a team, you have a point guard and you have Doncic, or you have another wing and you have Doncic, like, that's fine, because whichever one you put your good defender on, the other one's going to beat you tonight. Yeah. Like, if you have two guys that can give you 25, then, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. So, okay, couple couple more questions. This one's kind of loaded, mm-hmm. and it's pretty simple. Give me, Mavericks have two second-round picks this year. Okay. 33. Mm-hmm. And... 54. 54. 54 Portland men winning the, all those games. You know, one of my favorite parts is when after the trade deadline, Donnie says, you know, Donnie just straight up says, you know, it could be, you know, we're looking at a pick, another pick in the middle of the second round. And then Portland just goes, wham. Yeah, because <laughs> at the time that was like 46th or something. Yeah. And you're thinking, like, okay, you get like 35, 45, boom, you can move up in the first round easy. Yeah. But now 54. And have you looked at, historically at players taking number no. 54? It's not a good list. Not a great list, but I will say, 
the great Alec Peters is on that list. Oh my gosh. So he was taken 54th overall last year, and he's already scored more points than almost any other 54th pick ever. Wow. So, and he got most of them. He needs to be signed uh, to be a da- Dallas Maverick. Yeah. And he's, the, he can't stop at some point in his career. He, he has to have the highest per game average in AAC history <laughs> per 36 game. or whatever he had. And honestly, I mean, the ping pong balls, the way that worked out, that game actually hurt the Mavs. Because if they would have the drawing won that game, yeah. yeah. Butterfly effect. Butterfly effects, pardon me. Uh, anyway, sorry, question. So, yeah. second round picks. Let's, let's just stick with the, 30, the 33rd pick. Okay. Who are some, give me a handful of guys, how many, how many ever you want, in that range that you like Okay. in the second round? Okay, so I think the, the difference between, like, pick 20 and pick 40 is pretty negligible. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys that are all pretty good. Yeah. Um, so who knows who's even going to be there? But I have three categories, right? Okay. They're, they're not, too, not too many names in any one. I like it. But I have the defenders, who are mostly guards and wings. And then I have the shooters who can come in today and shoot threes. And then I have the, I guess, upside, we'll call it. Okay. Right? So Mysterious? Uh, you have a mysterious Mysterious. Text. Yeah, let's stick with that. Mysterious. So, defenders first. Uh, and one thing these all have in common, too, is all of them are juniors, except for one who I think is a sophomore. Although, Justin Jackson from Maryland. Is he a junior? Ooh, is I he know. Is he a sophomore it. or a junior? Oh, gosh. I want to say he's a sophomore, but he could be a junior. Okay, yeah, but most of these guys, multiple years in college, Love which helps you, too. Come in right away, you're ready to go. Dorian yeah. Finney-Smith, four-year player, even though he's undrafted, he could play. Like, he knew what he was doing yeah. before. So, Justin Jackson, six foot six, seven three wingspan. Um, I have I have a group of, like, four guys right now that I love in that spot, and he's one of the four. Four guys overall, like, out of all the prospects. Okay. He's one of the four, so Let's I love that Let's see if we guy. match any more. Let's see if we match any more. Okay. So, Jacob Evans, uh, Cincinnati. I like him. I think he's first round. Okay. But I do okay. like him a lot. Yeah. He, and how, he, was he a junior? Uh, junior. He's an upperclassman, yeah. I think, yeah. And he's kind of risen every year. Yeah. Um, Javon Carter, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, four-year player, big-time defender, apparently insane competitor, uh, offense, kind of a product. I've seen Michael Finley and Melvin Hunt tweet about him in the tournament. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember Melvin Hunt saying something like that. They both tweeted about his competitiveness, or they just tweeted about him during the tournament. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. The one thing about that that's weird, though, is West Virginia presses, so it's... But there's enough tape in half court to know yeah. like he's he's pretty good. Uh, Devontae Graham, Kansas, yes. uh, and I know like Dennis apparently loves him, or I, maybe he's from Carolina. Yeah, I think he's from North Carolina. Yeah, because during the during Kansas's run, Dennis gave him some uh, some love on Twitter. Yeah, uh, DeAnthony Melton, USC. Yeah. I think he's only a sophomore. He's kind of like a he like missed a year or didn't even play. He was a big winner of the combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked good. Yeah, um, and he then, could go. He could go and like high too. yeah yeah like and low. all these guys could be first round picks yeah I think one thing to watch is uh, this year and this goes to the second round too is that Philly has a lot of picks um, Boston has a lot of players to guarantee contracts so many teams in the league have a ton of players either a ton of picks or a ton of guys that are guaranteed to come back which means they're probably more likely to take like stash guys yeah. Um, so or move out of the first we'll move out together. Together, like yeah. there's that group of, of teams right there in the mid 20s mm. that of the Phillies of the you know Boston's there's a handful of teams that, that could get out all you know all together and Don has yeah. been open about hey trying to package picks up yeah, and trying move to move up so. yeah and there's a reason for that I mean you want if you're a team at the bottom of the first round you have 13 good players you don't want to get this guy, that's fine, so you sell it or you get future assets or something, so it works for them. On the flip side, um, if you are to draft somebody, you sign a first-round pick, that's like $3, 4000000 million against your payroll. Yeah. And if you're like $50 million over the cap, do you want to pay $10 million in salary cap penalties so that you can have a rookie ride the bench all year? So you want to get out of the first round. If you're the Mavs, that's an extra year of control, that's restricted free agency, that is... Um, Presumably a better player, potentially, or at least more control over who you get than if you wait at 33. Yeah. But that's all – that's crazy, man. Bottom of the first round trades are always weird. And we made that trade for Josh McRoberts yeah. last summer, mm-hmm. gained cash mm-hmm. that can be used to buy back in, right? 
Um, I don't know when the the calendar resets to where you have a cap on how much money you can give and take in trades. Okay. Um, and I think I don't. I, I don't actually know. Okay. So we can just leave, yeah. We'll yeah, just leave basically, uh, there's a calendar in the NBA, and you can only take so much and send out so much. Okay. Uh, in a year. Okay. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that money. Can, can be, be used, used in this draft. Or I not. mean, but if whatever, if I give you five million dollars today, in a year from now, hopefully you still have that five, <laughs> five million, million. at least some of it <laughs> left. But uh, yeah, and trust me, NBA teams make money. Yeah. Um, okay, so shooters, uh, Aaron Holiday. Okay. Who's obviously got the uh, the pedigree? Yeah. Uh, family name. Forty two point nine percent on threes, eighty two point seven on eighty two point eight percent on free throws. He's probably only a point guard, right? Yeah. He's not as big as Drew. No, he's not as big as Drew. Or Justin. I like him. No, no. Yeah, yeah Justin's he's good for UCLA. One. He was really good, actually, last year. I think he came off the bench whenever Lonzo was there. Yeah. But whenever it was him and Lonzo out there, that was pretty – That's pretty. I like Aaron Holiday a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hudson, who's from Coop School, I believe, okay. Florida, 40% on threes. Uh, my guy, Mo Wagner. Oh, yeah. 39.4% on threes. Definitely a power forward. Um, and then another Mavs connection – uh, Gary Trent Jr., some okay. former Mav Gary Trent. He's from Duke, 40% on threes. He took like eight a game or something. Yeah. Um, all of those guys can come in and give you threes right away. Everything else about their game is kind of like a project. Yeah. Um, but it's different sides of the coin, right? Like you have the defenders and then you have shooters. There aren't, if you can do both, you're going to be taken in the first round. Yeah. There's a reason you're falling in the second round. And, uh, I mean, the odds are really – I mean, there's the odds are very good that whoever's – they take at 33 will be on their team this season. Yeah. Um, but they might spend a lot of time in Frisco. Yeah. So you know, they might not contribute right away. Yeah, it could be that. It could be a Hammond situation or uh, or like Ricky Lito, for example. Yeah. Or it could be Jay Crowder where you draft this guy and all of a sudden, wow, he's pretty good. Let's yeah. give him minutes right away. Uh, and then finally, the uh, the more mysterious uh, your guy, Hamadou Diallo. Yeah. Um, six foot six, seven foot wingspan. Um, Super high vertical. Yeah, defender, athlete, but everything else is kind of like what the heck? He didn't yeah, play five on fives. I didn't understand yeah, that at all. Yeah, it's just all it's it's very mysterious, very mysterious. Yeah. And then uh, of course Giannis's younger brother Costas. Yeah. Seven two wingspan, nine two standing reach, athletic. He's got the the family name. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will draft him in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. For, and it probably won't be that high. I don't yeah. think thirty three. In fact, you don't even see him in most mocks. Yeah. But just the name alone and... He's a, he would be a great two-way player, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thanasis is playing yeah. two ways. But I wonder, you know, because Thanasis got drafted. The Knicks drafted him with the Mavs pick, actually, in 2015. Uh, I wonder if Thanasis hadn't come out, if Costas would be ranked higher just because... That's true. Giannis is his brother. But seeing Giannis do great and then Thanasis do not as great, really I wonder if that affects it. Yeah, I just don't know. Yeah. NBA is weird like that. So those are my second round guys. Okay, I like the, I like a, this German guy named Isaac Bonga. Oh yeah, okay, I've heard I, you talking about. I him. love him. He's yeah. like six nine playmaker. He has like these long strides like Giannis mm. when you watch some of his tapes. He's not really NBA ready yet. Yeah, no, no he would be. I would be ecstatic if he's like a fifty fourth pick. I'm like, okay, wow, man, that would be awesome. Um, but I like the Josh Koji guy. Okay. He has he's the, apparently a combine riser, right? Yeah, he just announced today on Twitter that he's going to stay in the in the draft, so mm-hmm. that's cool. I kind of like the dude. He he was supposed to be in the draft last year and pulled out, and he plays for Barcelona. Kirks? Kirks? Uh, Rodion's yeah. Kirks? Yeah. Is he, is he in this draft? I think so, yeah. Okay. He's like 6'7 guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I know John liked him a lot last year, and I watched him play a few times because I thought he was coming out last year. He's a little streaky. Yeah. But I like him. Though. Yeah, he probably did himself a favor by staying over. Yeah. But I think he might not even come right away anyway. No, he might not. Yeah. He might not. And then, um, yeah, I like uh, I like Jackson a lot, too. Mm. I love Melvin Frazier, but I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, I think the, the word is out on your guy Chandler Hutchison, too. Oh, he didn't even, like, he canceled everything, man. Yeah, that's like, how it works. Cameron Payne did the same thing a couple years ago. He's going to be gone. Mm. And I was super surprised that Mitchell Robinson canceled everything also. Man, that probably means playing that the mysterious too. card, but yeah, I mean, I guess he has a promise. But mm-hmm. I love Chandler Hutchinson. But. All right, last question. Question ten: The Mavs have gotten this stereotype, and I don't even know how I feel about it. But that hey, we fail at free agency. Like we suck. We swing for the fences. 
fans don't want to get their hopes up, anything like that. But we've also, this summer, it's a little different. The cap's starting to even out some, starting to swing back a little bit. There's only a handful of teams that have cap space. So this is kind of a question of kind of how much does this cap this summer mean as far as flexibility-wise, and could this summer be different than past summers because of that? Um, well, yeah, there, I mean, there's a chance it could be. Right? Yeah. Like, they could go out and sign the best free agent. Who knows? But uh, I think, like, all this big fish stuff was really going on in 2012, 2013, 2014, and then 2015 with the, the whole Clippers uh, video game door situation, chair at the door. Um, but at that time, you know, in that kind of four-year window, the Mavs were trying to keep the window open. Mm. They were trying to... You know, this guy is going to help us get back into the second, third round finals while we still got good Dirk. While we saw Monte and, and all that stuff. So their timeline was, we're doing this for today. You know, in 2014, you're coming off a season where you, you almost beat the Spurs. And you think, well, if we get a stud, then we're going to, we'll easily beat the Spurs next year. Like, we'll be one of the best teams in the league. And it, it didn't work out, obviously. Um, this time around... They have more money than everybody else or could potentially get more money than everybody else, but their timeline is different. Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking about playoffs earlier. I think they want to be in the playoffs sooner than later. I mean, I know they want to be in the playoffs, actually. Yeah. You know, like... I mean, that's it's been hammered home yeah, a lot. They have, I mean, I know. What are you supposed to say? But yeah. still, like, even from Finley's statement that he said, he brought out the other day after the lottery, yeah. his last sentence was... We're not hopefully not here next year. Mm. Donnie was saying in his exit interview, like yeah, next and you, year, like, like Dirk for Dirk says next year, next year, next year. Like yeah. it's Dennis has said next Dennis. year, and like young guys saying it, whatever. Okay, you're full of hot air, but like if Dirk is saying next year, like look around the league at at teams that are in the lottery consistently, they do not say the word playoffs. Yeah, they just don't. They say the future. They say you know young core, but they don't say playoffs. So like clearly the Mavericks are aiming. To be good soon. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that means that you have to. I don't. I don't think that guarantees that they're going to go after these big guys. Yeah. Uh, whoever they are, like the like the biggest biggest names, whether that's free agency or trade. I suppose it could. Yeah. But um, you know, whenever you have, whenever you're coming off forty eight wins, forty nine wins, and seventh game against the number one seed, and that entire series, every game was a coin flip. It makes sense to believe that you're one guy away, right? Yeah. But whenever you're coming off 24 wins, it's not as easy to convince somebody. It's not as easy to think as an organization, like, yes, we are one player away. I think you're, you're kind of multiple players away. Like we were talking about earlier, like their starting five is not where it needs to be. Yeah. You, know? you need Dennis to get better. You need a pick to come in, and you need a couple players. Can you do all that in one summer? Maybe. I mean, you might be able to get a stud draft pick and a, a stud uh, free agent or, or trade piece or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have more sway in the market than they did in recent seasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, generally I just think the timeline is different. So it's hard to compare this, this time around to last time. And you mentioned, too, you mentioned through trade also. And that's, mm. you know, people want to focus on free agency – well, in return, with only a handful of teams having free agency or having cap space, teams could be looking to get off money, mm. and that's another way that they could use cap space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think the common sort of thing that we've seen with teams, especially Philly, they popularize just the salary dump in the first-round pick. Yeah. You know, um, even if it's two or three years. Like, Philly next year gets Sacramento's pick, or, or Boston does. Boston does, From yeah. Philly... So that's a 2019 first-round pick that Philly acquired, I think, like in 2014 or something. Yeah. I mean, that's like years and years down the line, which, you know, kudos to them. But I don't think the Mavs are going to do that. Like, I don't think they want assets five years in the future. I yeah. think that if they're going to make a trade, they want it for the next year or two um, to help speed this thing up. Because, man, speaking from experience... 24 wins ain't fun. <laughs> like, 40 wins is better. 50 wins is where you want to be. Yeah. So, you can't, like, take a shortcut. You know, you still have to develop your talent, and you still have to get really good players. But, um, like, I think they want this to be over soon. But 
I don't think that guarantees that they're going to be chasing the big fish and doing that whole thing. I, I just I I think that you can improve quickly without like going all out. They're going to be looking for the right fit to yeah, come along yeah. with their core. Also, it yeah, might not sure. necessarily be a what's the biggest fish we can get, and then let's form, let's try to fit our young people around the big fish. What mm-hmm. I hate yeah, well, fish. just think about it. So like in 2014, after that Spurs series, you had Calderon and Marion who Marion retired the next year, Calderon is still bounced around the league, and you had Monte, who was, I think, 29 or 30, yeah. and then Sam D'Alembert. So, like, that roster, who was old and is, you know, is out of the league since, that roster had Dirk and then basically, like, an empty pallet. Yeah. Or an empty canvas, sorry. Um, you could get any player and just and say, all right, we're building around him. But now you have kind of that, you have the Dennis and you have Barnes, whatever you think about those guys... Those are pieces that you have, yeah. Uh, and then you have you know some some guys coming off the bench that are that are controllable and relatively young, and so you have kind of an, an idea of what you want to be. You have like a foundation. I think it's easier to build a roster around those guys than it is to just say, all right, whatever good player we can get, we'll Come make it in. work. Yeah. 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 Is there a scenario in which Dirk comes off the bench next year? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, mean, I know he's been open to it. I feel like he even said it what maybe two years ago that oh, yeah, if did, that's yeah. what they want me to do, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be tough just to like you know people have talked about it before. Just like so there's so much stuff behind the stuff. scenes that people might not see as mm-hmm. far as how much ahead of time he starts warming up from down underneath in the practice gym to just everything that he that goes into his pregame to get him ready for tip off. Yeah, for tip off. And not how do you make that work? Yeah, because think about it, like the gap between the buzzer at the end of pregame layup lines and the tip off is like five minutes. Yeah. But the gap between the buzzer and the first timeout is like half an hour, sometimes even longer, depending on what happens, the foul shots and stuff. So if you want Dirk to go through the national anthem, visiting intros, home intros and all that crap, the first five minutes of the game, plus a three-minute TV timeout. That's a lot of time for him to just be sitting there not doing anything, yeah. you know? And so I, I don't know if that makes sense, but if they can find a way to make it work, then for, like, Jet Terry would ride on the exercise bike during the first five minutes of games back in the day. Huh. They had an exercise bike in the tunnel where the visiting team comes out before games, um, and he'd just go sit on that for a few minutes just to keep his legs loose. I was going to say, I, like, I could see if this was ever an option, them doing like the national anthem and then Dirk going to the practice gym and shooting. <laughs> and like, ha- literally a coach down there saying, all right, TV timeout's about to happen. I wonder Let's if, come back to the bench. Is that against the rules? I don't know. I don't know. That could be, legitimately could be something that happens. I mean, yeah. I know Dirk would want to watch the game. But if there was a way, kind of like jet with the bike or on the exercise or down, you know, on the practice court or whatever, like to stay loose while you're not starting, I think that that could be a good option, just like physically. Yeah. But then I'm not a doctor, so yeah. that's speculation. But yeah, I mean, if they have a, if they have a plan in mind, or if they get an upgrade at that position, or if they say we want Barnes to be four full time, which I don't know, I don't think that that's no. what they want to do. But um, yeah, I could see a scenario. And but ultimately, like people like to talk about starting. Who gives a crap? Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, who, it's more about who, like, finishes the game of... If Dirk does start and we have a, a dude behind him that... Like, if Dirk starts and plays his first five to seven minutes and then the other guy still plays and still gets, like, 30-something minutes... Like, that whole Nerlens dirk stuff last year. Mm-hmm. If, if the guy still gets, like, 30-something minutes, who cares if he starts or not? Yeah. might care to him is, like, ego or personal yeah. stuff, but... Yeah. Well, and... You know, Dirk starting games, especially when he's starting at center, you're thinking, all right, well, they're going to get cooked defensively. Yeah. But last season, and they did kind of this year, you know, they were a pretty poor first quarter team, but a lot of that was because they had a rookie point guard. Yeah. So, you know, the year before that, the Seth Curry Yogi year, um, they were 25 and 16, I think, over a 41 game stretch. Um, with Dirk starting, and then at the tail end of that was Nerlens coming off the bench. Yeah. So, like, they were able to make it work for an extended period of time, or 26 and 17 or something. They had, or no, sorry, 26 and 22. I don't want to spread fake news. That was their record for a 48-game stretch. They were 4 and 17, and then they won 26 out of the next 40-whatever games, which is really good. That's like playoff-caliber basketball. Yeah. 
and Dirk was starting playing five minutes and sitting out. So, I mean, they were able to make it work that way with arguably less talent than they have on their team now. So I don't think that they can't make it work. They can make it work. Yeah, yeah. but it's just really kind of a, like you said, guys have egos. If you're not a starter, some guys will be upset about that. Even though Dirk has started, he's played most of his minutes with backups anyway. Yeah. Lately. And he plays really well with that backup unit, like you mentioned earlier last year. Yeah. With JJ. Yeah, and he pretty much, I mean, even, even the year they won the championship, he would play the first six minutes of the game and then check out and come back in with J.J. So, like, he's been doing this for a long time, basically long time. since Rick took over. He's just playing shorter stints now. He's not playing 38 minutes, he's playing, like, 28. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it used to drive me crazy. In the fourth quarter, uh, during that title run, a lot of the times, a lot of many of the games that where they had to make fourth quarter comebacks came because there was, like, a two- or three-minute stint in the middle of the fourth where Dirk would sit out because he had played with the second unit and needed to catch his win before he came back in to close the games. And mm. so during that's whenever Miami went on the run and Dwayne Wade started punching LeBron, or vice versa, whatever. Dirk came back in on the other side of that timeout, and boom, they went on the 22-5 run or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, OKC, same story in game four of that game. Like, all these games, you know, for that three minutes, they'd get blitzed, and then Dirk would come back in, and they'd... You know, they closed the Go on the run. So, yeah, he's been doing this forever. It's just kind of something that we talk about lately because now he's pushing 40. 80 years old. Yeah. Bobby, it's been good. Yeah, it's been <laughs> long, man. That's, a, that's a long 10 questions. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to plug? Do we have a, uh, a new numbers on the board coming up soon um, that we, we can are, look forward to? Or? We are doing, yes, we have a couple lined up. Uh, one of them is going to be very good. Well, okay. hopefully both of them are going to be very good. <laughs> but one of them in particular is going to be awesome. Um, I will also say that uh, Mavs gaming stuff is always going on. Yeah. I'm doing a good, a good job with that too, man. Appreciate it. Um, so stay up to date with them. Get your basketball fix. And then June 8th is Dirk's game. Yes. The Heroes game. And then two weeks after that is the draft. And then two weeks after that is Summer League. So... This after is like Summer the, League, it's just like... After Summer League, is boring. Yeah. yeah. But the next, like, the lull is almost over. We got finals starting probably next week or whatever that is. And then that's just going to carry us through all yeah. the way to free agency. And then, yeah. The Tickets are still on sale for Dirk's Celebrity Game. Yes. I don't know where you go to buy them. I know you can get them through Mavs.com, but it's through, like, a ticket okay. thing. So See? if you haven't bought them, you live in Dallas. That's fun. Have you been before? Go, oh, yeah. I yeah. go every year with my wife. Ever since we moved to Dallas. Mm-hmm. So we've been... I guess it's just four years now. Okay. But yeah, my wife true. loves it. But, but, she will be like 33 weeks pregnant. Oh, yeah. You have other stuff to do. So she, uh, I don't know if she, we have tickets, but we, I don't know if she wants to go at 33 weeks. You're having, have you, have you publicly a boy. said, yeah. okay, so, uh, okay, so I didn't, I don't want to spoil this. Having a boy. Are you naming your son after whoever the Mavericks draft? I thought about it. Yeah. Thought about it. There's some weird names in there. There are some weird. There, there's some. There's some. You know, kind of like common ones, and then there's some not so common ones. And then it's like, what if they like flame out? And it's like, yeah, that's Ugh. true. It's like getting a tattoo of. Yeah. You know. Also, oh man, I'm glad you said that. Did, did Motley, get a Mavs, tattoo? What I know he got that it. Instagram picture. Okay, it said hashtag Mavs Inc. Yeah. And he's getting a tat. I'm like, did Motley just get? I don't, I don't know, I can say for certainty that I do not know what tattoo he got, but I can also say with certainty that the hashtag Mavs Inc. is going to be like a thing that we're doing more. So it's like okay, Mavs okay. players tattoos. Okay, like, okay, I don't okay. think that he got <laughs> I was like, I mean, he might have. Who knows? I bet you, in fact, this would be interesting to know. I bet you there are players in the league that have tattoos of teams they used to play for. How many, how many players have a Mavs tattoo besides Jet? Did Jed have a Mavs tattoo? Oh no, no, he, he just, just had yeah, a logo. He, he just had and the then he Larry had O'Brien. Son, he put a Celtics logo on that thing too, which was very upsetting <laughs> oh for my college version of me. Um, I don't know that any player has a Mavs tattoo. Dirk has a secret one on his back. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. one knows about. Yeah, it. Dirk's got a secret one. <laughs> uh, I know I've seen plenty of people with Mavs tattoos, but I don't know that I've ever seen a player with a Mavs tattoo. That is. I tweeted out before the lottery. I said, "What would you do as a fan to the craziest thing you would do if it guaranteed the Mavs get the top pick in the draft?" So many people would get a tattoo. It 
blew me away. Just get a tattoo anyway, man. Make we it had cool. I had multiple people that said they would murder. I had people that said I would get my uh, earlobes detached. Good God. Yeah, there was some... Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The top of the draft looks good, but <laughs> it's not worth... It's not... It's not worth all that. I had, like, one guy reply back and say, if it guaranteed a title, I think I might do something crazy, but it could still not work. <laughs> See, a championship... A championship is one thing. Yeah. But, like, the... The top pick doesn't guarantee you a Hall of Famer or anything. Exactly. But it's not like... In the, what if you did go through all of that stuff? You got, like, Mavs number one, and then, like, you pledge to get the tattoo of whoever they draft, and then yeah. it's like an Anthony Bennett-style oh. kind of strikeout. And it's like... You can't... You can't figure... You can't undo that, no. you know? You gotta get that lasered off. It's a story you'll have forever. Yeah. Un, uh, an unfortunate story. <laughs> unfortunate story. All right, Bobby, I appreciate it. Until next time, we got to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me, man. You've just listened to part two of my conversation with Bobby Corrala of Mavs.com. I appreciate everyone who listened to part one and part two. You guys are awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to Bobby. Tell him if you loved everything he said. If you had some bad take you didn't, you didn't like, let him know. Give him some Twitter hate. Come on, guys. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed it, man. Most of you or a lot of you probably have long weekends. Shout out to you. If you have to work out work over the weekend, shout out to you also. Make that money. Listen to this podcast if you can at work. That's what we're here for. We have a lot of people that listen to us at their jobs, and I hope that we can help uh, make your shift or make your job go by a little bit smoother. But anyway, enjoy your weekend. Pretty sure Nick and I are taking Monday off also, so we're going to get a three-day weekend. I know I'm. when you're listening to this, I'm back in Kentucky with my family, having a baby shower with my wife and close friends and stuff like that because our baby's coming in like eight weeks. It's pretty wild. But anyway, hope you enjoyed everything. Enjoy your long weekend. And Nick and I will be right back in your ears, in your headphones on Tuesday as next week, we're all full with draft prospect profiles again, hitting a lot of the guys that everyone is debating, the Bombas and Jackson and all this different stuff. So, anyway, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. Peace out. For Nick. <laughs>